Welcome to the Hook and Ladder podcast. College basketball picks, our first uh, college hoops pod of the season. Justin Santip, Colin O'Donnell. Colin, before we get into the college hoops, and we'll, we'll talk about um, Thursday night slate. We're, we're recording this Wednesday night with you basically using the opening opening lines. Um, let's talk a little bit about the college ball playoff national championship game. You had Georgia minus two and a half. Georgia used a monster fourth quarter um, to take care of business against Alabama. I had the Bama money line. Um, you were watching with people that were on Alabama, Alabama fans. Uh, how satisfied were you coming away with that, uh, that gambling victory on the last day of the season? Well, I also had the under. So, you know. hey, did that hit also? Yes. Word. There you go. Big night for, for O'Donnell. Um, no, it was, it what was, was the total? What was it? 52 and a half? 52 and a half and it ended 50, 51. Yeah. I, I also did, I did like a parlay on that also. But then I, uh, Fanville had a boost on over 40. So I, hit, so I hit that, but then I tried to take down to 46. So that pick six fucked me. Ah. Or else I would have, I would have hit the sandwich and I would have hit every bet. I mean, I can't really complain. It's still pretty profitable night, regardless. Yes, yes. What were your take takeaways on the game? Um, I think I I, I think that it's like you got to give George all the credit. They were the better team that game. The defense was flying around really fast. Um, they were able to get pressure against Bryce Young this time. Didn't bring him down that often, but he was hit. And he was, his feet weren't set. I also think the loss of Jameson Williams was just can't be understated. Yeah, that was massive. Like, Bama was moving the ball much better until he went out. I don't know if they could what have won with him because they still were. He was out when they were struggling. When did he go out? What was the uh, time? Well, he had a big play early in the second quarter, and that's when he went out. Yeah, but they they had already struggled. I guess they just hadn't scored in the red zone there other trip when he was still in there. And uh, I think that makes sense because uh, Mechie's more of the red zone target than Williamson. Yeah. Uh, so I think they would have moved the ball better if he was in. But I don't know if they would have still would have had the issues in the red zone as they did. Um, that was pretty much the big reason why Georgia was able to win this game is their defense played great in the red zone. And that's been a problem with Bama a lot this season is just the lack of a consistent running game. Uh, going against Georgia, able to sit back with your back bottom two or top two receivers out, able to take away the pass, or at least limit the pass, which they couldn't do in the SEC championship. And uh, Bama just couldn't run on them. Yeah, and I, I think I was impressed, Colin, with Alabama's defense. Um like especially early on in the game. And I guess it, it kind of faded a little bit down the stretch, but Alabama's defense, I, I felt like kept them in this game for, for most of the game. I mean, the offense was, was moving the ball well, but they couldn't like hit explosive plays. They couldn't uh, put the ball in the end zone. And I mean, the thing we've talked about all season long is this Alabama defense is so much talent but they've they've never really blended from a cohesive perspective and they've never really looked good and they, they did for the first three quarters um and when they made that big play and forced that Stetson Bennett fumble 
incomplete pass, fumble that benefited Alabama and got them the ball deep in, in Georgia territory. Alabama was able to convert and finally get a touchdown, put the, put points on the board. Um, I felt like Alabama was, was in position, but then Stetson Bennett defying all the odds, leading a touchdown drive to just kind of cement Georgia, like give them the lead back in the fourth quarter and just kind of change the narrative one more time. I take back I, full apologies for everything I said about Stetson Bennett in the, in the preview uh, show that guy deserved to win the national championship. And I was, I was impressed. I was impressed by that. Um, really? All right. I, I wouldn't, I, I don't know if I'd go that far. I mean, I think he deserved to win the national championship. He played well enough to win the national championship, but the reason why you're impressed with Alabama's defense is because they faced a flawed offense. It could be true. Georgia's offense is flawed. Um, I've heard a lot of people say this. This was the year to get Bama. We've been saying this all year. Bama's down. This was the year for Georgia to get it. And this is the only year they're winning a championship with Stetson Bennett as their quarterback. If Stetson yeah. Bennett is their starting quarterback next year, they will not beat Alabama. They will not beat Ohio State. They're, they're I mean, Clemson may figure out at quarterback. This True. was just, uh, they had superior talent to Alabama last year and this year, I think it was about equal for the first time in a while. Their defense was better than Alabama. They, they brought back more people than Alabama. They were just a better team than Alabama all year. The only difference was Alabama had a better quarterback and Alabama was able to beat them once with just the better quarterback. And they almost beat them again. I think if they had Mechie, I don't know, like Williamson, I still think Georgia probably, holds it out if he doesn't get hurt, but just seeing how they were able to move the ball with, with Jess Williamson. And I, I think they might've been able to, and Stetson looks scared out there. Like yeah, he did early the on. They needed the defense to, they were able to, and the defense looked really good, but uh, Bama down their number one receiver and then going down the number two receiver early in the game and helps out your defense a lot. Bama team just not as good as it has been in past years. And uh, I think that's why Georgia was able to gut out the W. The big question everybody talks about in the aftermath is like, does Alabama win this game? Jameson Williams doesn't get hurt. I know we talked about it a little bit. Um, I still lean no, um, because I think a lot of what you said is, like you said it a little earlier, like Alabama wasn't even really hitting very many explosive plays with him. Now, the thing is, there were a few more drops in the back end in the second half uh, with Williams out. And uh, I mean, the thing is like, Bryce Young played such a good game. Like I thought he made so many good throws, obviously until the, the pick six at the end, but it felt like that Georgia defense wasn't letting, they, they weren't going to give up touchdowns. And eventually, eventually they, they wore down that Alabama defense. They got the run game going a little bit in the second half. So I, I think, um, I think Georgia wins the game regardless. And I think if people are, are saying that, and I think there are people out there that are saying this. I mean, I live with one, one of them, um, oh. that, <laughs> that, that Alabama wins this game and Jamison Williams stays healthy. And I, I just, I'm not, I'm not sold on that. And I don't think that Georgia should be belittled and their achievement should be, you know, belittled because of it, because I mean, they, they, they were impressive. They were the best team all season long and they deserved a, they deserved it. Yeah. I, I tend to agree. I do think, they probably win. I don't. I, I think it becomes a different story if Mechie is healthy. Right, but we knew. But we knew Mechie wasn't. Yeah, healthy. yeah, yeah. I know, I know. But I'm just saying, 
if you put going into it, I thought even if Mechie was healthy, I, well, I guess I, I mean part of my handicap was he's out, but I I would be very interested to see what the line would be if I do think uh, they win with just Williamson, but it would have been tighter. Uh, yeah, credit to Bennett, but this 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 I, I feel like you can't stress how important this win was for Georgia right. because this is the best shot and their offense has to get better. That, like you mentioned Alabama's defense impressed you. I just think that's what they do against bad offenses. Yeah. And Cincinnati is a bad offense and Georgia is a bad offense. Not but Georgia's 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 a decent offense, but look at their games when they, they put up 29 against Florida, 37 against Arkansas. Like they, they don't put up numbers on anybody. Yeah. How does the uh, last question on this before we, before we move into college hoops, how does Georgia winning this change their profile? Like, does it at all? Like, like, are they more of a destination or is it still same old? I mean, they're still recruiting yeah. at a high level, but I, I was listening to uh, cover three earlier yeah. and they were talking about the, how this was the year for Georgia to win. And I really agree with that because not only because Bennett, but also if you look at their recruiting rankings, they, they're not as dumb. They're, they're fourth this in, in 2021, I believe, and uh, maybe third in 2022 after having top one for the yeah. past two years. With AM starting to take some of those defensive recruits away, I think that's a problem for Georgia. And I also – like, I don't trust Kirby Smart with the quarterback position. Yeah. I, don't, I don't care. They may bring somebody else in. And there's all this hype. But you've had JT Daniels, Jamie Newman – and Justin Fields all in the program and you've started Stetson Bennett and Jake, Jake Fromm. Fromm. And you've seen Jake Fromm on the Giants. He's fucking terrible. Yeah. Uh, he was, he's better than bad. He's a, he's a solid, he was a solid college quarterback. I can't really, I don't fault them as much. The fact that Bennett started all year, I wrong decision. I still, I stand by it's the wrong decision. You can say it gave you the best chance to win. And maybe J.C. Daniels wasn't that bad. But I think you can put any average quarterback back there. Ian Book can win the national championship this with this Georgia team. Yeah, without question. I mean, Ian Book's a better quarterback than Stetson Bennett. Yeah. I mean, and, do you and, think Stetson Bennett's going to get a shot to play in the NFL, Kyle? No, no. So no, there you no. go. Yeah. Um, Ian Book started the game in the NFL this year. Yeah. Uh, it didn't go that well, but. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, he still, he got there. Yeah. yeah. Um, Stetson Bennett's not going to get there. No, it. I, I just. I also, I think it's interesting if George is actually going to modernize on offense because now you've got this win. Yeah. Like, do they just think, okay, we can keep doing it this way? Because I guess you could if you're able to recruit at such a high level. But I think I see their recruiting dropping off. And I, this is a rare year where Alabama was a the worst it's been in a, in a little bit. Right. And Clemson didn't have a quarterback. Right. So your and it, top two contenders are out, and Ohio State's defense was just terrible. But Ohio State is a different – like, for for the, all three to, to not be able to put it together right. is the only way you win this with Seth and Bennett. If you have a real quarterback, then I think you have a chance against all three normal. But you, they've got to have an offense. Right. 
That's a good point. And then even on top of that, Kyle, like in the SEC East, their usual biggest rivals, Florida, and Florida was as down as they'd been this, this past year. They were as down as they'd been, I mean, ever really in our lifetime. <laughs> so, I mean, like that's, that's also should be considered. And, and, and I mean, you're right. Like Clemson is not going to be this bad again. Ohio state is probably going to be the big 10 champion next year. Alabama, Bryce Young's coming back. Like they're going to be really good next year. And then like, you also have to think about like, what is Lincoln Riley able to build out there at USC? Yeah, USC. That's going to, that's going to hurt a lot of teams ability to recruit offense when Lincoln Riley is locking down California again. Right. Um, and then you, you have to wonder if like. Chris Paul can get some going in Miami. That's, yeah. that's a big talent train. Right. And I mean, LSU has all the talent in the world. And now, I mean, Brian Kelly has proven that he can win with, with less talent. Like what can he do if he's able to keep recruiting rankings going high at LSU? Right. I mean, if he's able to recruit yeah. well at LSU um, without the, 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 right. I mean, like he, like there, yeah, it's hard yeah. to imagine they're not going to continue to be in the national yeah. scene. Texas A&M. Yeah. Recruiting at a high level. The number one recruiting class. Ridiculous recruiting class. There it's, 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 it's almost like Colin, I feel like we're getting towards this, there might be a little more parity across college football, if anything. Like now that I'm able to decompress and think about think about the carousel a little bit, like it feels well, I mean, like this was a this was a very pair. This year had a lot of parity, right? The, but this, but I, I my point is, I feel like a lot of people looked at this year as like a like a like kind of a fluke, right? And like may, right, like maybe it won't be. I I, I think it maybe, but I also think as Georgia may decline a little bit, um, I, I, I find it hard to imagine like Ohio state has a really good defensive coordinator. Yep. I, they, they kind of, they fucked up not, not being able to at, even make the playoffs this year. Yep. How historically good that offense is. Yep. Well, um, I mean, and it'll be, it'll be just as good next year. It, it will be just as good. So you've got to, they've got to hope the defense figures it out. Uh, but I, 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 I just have a feeling the top of the sport is going to kind of revert back. Okay. And so I don't know about I'm, – I'm hesitant to say there'll be parity long-term because Alabama's going to be even better next year. Yep. Clemson is good to have quarterback. Well, so here's my, here's my one thing on Clemson, though. Like, there are a couple assistants at Clemson that are gone. Yeah. Like, could they, could they just be – like, they no, were Clemson, pretty – senior laden roster this year weren't they like couldn't they be due for a little regression also i mean they, they i think they were supposed to return 10 on offense six on defense so okay it's only six on d i mean it's not yeah for, for how good that defense is though and yeah. they've also recruited I, I i do think there's something to be said about the clemson falling off like people have talked about that uh being an issue and Dabo hired internally again so you, yeah. there's no fresh blood, blood, but I think there's probably they've, they've still recruiting at such a high level. I think there's still a little bit before you can actually make that statement. Uh, one last thing I wanted to yeah. ask you about is yeah. Um, so is Rutgers going to enter the national title contention? I don't think yet. Maybe in two uh, or three years. Who? Rutgers entering yeah. the national title conversation? I don't think just yet. Give us give us another couple years. So, so Chip Patterson said this, yeah. um, and I, I wanted to, I wanted to hear your thoughts Yeah, because I, I think it's very interesting. Okay. Is this win 
in the long term, not, not bad for Georgia as a program because they finally won their national championship. But for the trajectory of Kirby Smart, is this bad because it will keep him in this defensive first mold when he was able to win a flash in the pan year? I mean, so like, yes and no, because I don't think he's willing to change. Like we've been through this rigmarole with him for, for how many years? And even when they weren't winning. If they lost this year when they were clearly the best team, that's like, you have to either he's going to be fired or he's going to have to make a change. Maybe, maybe, I guess. I mean, look, George is not going to evolve on offense. If that's the question, like, do I think that so is, yeah, it, so bad, yes. is it bad in the long term? Because well, Alabama's not going to be this down. Ohio right. State should have their defense figured out. And right. you've got to assume if Clemson doesn't rise back up, there's going to be one other team that's going to rise in to take that spot. Right. Yeah, I guess in that context, I guess it is bad long term. Because I just – I don't think George is going to change. Could, could this end up being like a LSU championship? Yes. Where, where in – we see uh, maybe a two-loss Georgia next year and then another two-loss Georgia and then maybe end up going eight and four and all of a sudden Kirby Smart's seat is is hot. hot. Yeah, I think that's – I think that's the more <clears throat> – Is think that that's, more likely than Georgia, Georgia winning within the next four years? Yes, I think that is a way more likely trajectory than Georgia – contends to the college world playoff again, gets to the college world playoff the next year, wins another national title within the next four years. I completely agree. I think that, that what you just outlined is a more likely trajectory for the next few seasons at yeah, Georgia. That, that's, that's, that's what I think. Is You're right. I think, I think this is a product of, I think this championship was as much a product of Georgia having, you know, basically 11 it, NFL guys on defense as it was the landscape being completely different this year in college football. It, 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 it aligned perfectly for yeah. them. And yeah. I, I think it's very difficult to get the stars to align twice. Yeah. All right. College hoops. Let's get it. We turn the page into college basketball season, a small foray into uh, what we're doing in college hoops. We've got a, a pretty brief Thursday night slate, about eight, nine games that we're going to talk up, talk about before we start hitting the hammers with our, our Saturdays, which is uh, our bread and butter. This is going to be the, for the listeners, it's going to be the plan. Each week we'll talk about either the Tuesday night slate, Wednesday night, Thursday night, depending really on on which night Rutgers isn't playing. Um, <laughs> if they're not, you know, if, the, if it's a home game, I'm going to be at the, at the game. But um, best slate of the midweek we'll talk about, and then we'll talk about obviously the big Saturday slate. So this is, this is what we're doing. We did it last year. Um, those of you that know, know Colin is, is a little bit better at college football. And I, I mean, I tend to, to put my, all my brain power into, into college hoops. Um, I think, I think Colin actually proved that he might be more than a little bit better this year in college football. I don't even want to go back and look at my totals, dude. Terrible. Well, we got to start a new, uh, we got to start a new doc for college basketball. Yeah, we'll start. I will. I'll get a new doc going, um, after, after this, uh, after this pod. All right. Thursday night slate. Good slate, good Big Ten games, good Pac-12 games. As per usual, Pac-12 is usually um, the the Thursday night. I, I the Pac-12 plays Thursday, Saturday, so it's always always a big Thursday night slate in, in the Pac-12. But we start in the Pac-12. Call Stanford at Washington State. Washington State laying six and a half points. Stanford just came back from a COVID pause, beat USC on Tuesday night, which was a, a really big win for Jared Hass and company. Now they play a Washington State team that I think a lot of people were high on coming into the year. 
Um, they're finally getting healthy also off of COVID plus, but they've had some fluky losses. Uh, I haven't had a, a really great chance to handicap all these games. So this is just kind of my first look and raw, but I mean, I'm going to give some plays away. Um, do you have anything on this game? Any looks, anything that, that, that jumped out to you, or do you want me to just go right into what I'm thinking? Let's, let's hear what you're thinking. I'm less familiar with the, the Pac-12, <laughs> especially, especially this early into the uh, college basketball. I'm just fully switching my attention over. So yeah, that I'm makes sense. Up a little bit. Sure. Um, you're one of those. Uh, well, we're happy to have you aboard. Thanks for joining the, the college basketball wave. Uh, I like Washington State in this spot. I have not bet it yet. Um, I'm optimistic the number comes down a little bit because the market might overreact to Stanford getting the big win at home against USC. But the way I look at it is Washington State is an excellent, excellent basketball team. They came into this year as one of the top, I think, four or five teams really in the Pac-12 and, and NCAA tournament sleeper. And um, they've had some, some tough goes of it at home, a couple fluky losses to, to mid-majors. Um, they looked bad against Boise State when they were missing some key pieces. Uh, they lost on the road at Colorado while they were down their best player, Noah Williams. They're completely healthy. In their most recent game, they dominated Utah on the road, which is not an easy place to go on the road and win. I think they're playing with a little more confidence right now. Um, I'm looking at Washington State. They've got really good guard play. And Stanford's bread and butter is inside interior defense and interior scoring. Um, really with their athletic wings. Spencer Jones is an athletic wing. Jaden Delaire, an athletic wing. Harrison Ingram, an athletic wing. Washington State's interior defense is fantastic. Their best player, their second best player really is a big man named F.A. Abogidi. He's a sophomore. He can do a little bit of everything. They got a deep rotation. They defend at a high level. They shoot the ball well. And I think coming back home off of a big win against Utah, against a Stanford team that might still be trying to get their sea legs under them after the COVID pause, after that emotional win against USC, I just think it's a little bit of a, a sell high on Stanford and, and the line seems a bit high. I'm, hop, I'm optimistic it'll come down. If it doesn't, I think I would take the six and a half anyway, because I think it's a really good spot for, for Wazoo to roll. Yeah. I'm just looking at, at this a little more. It is pretty interesting because you have Stanford going Tuesday to Thursday. So yep. off of a COVID pause. Yep. So that's rough. Um, Home game and then a road game. Yeah. So Palo Alto up to Spokane. Is Washington that where Washington State, State is? Yeah. Uh, Washington. No, it's. Uh, where is yeah. it? Yeah, yeah, Spokane. Are you sure? No, I don't no, think no, it that's, is. No, that's Kentucky. Um, Washington State. Pullman? Pullman. Pullman, yeah, Pullman. Um, Even worse. <laughs> yeah. But the, so you have the rest. You have a pretty heavy rest advantage in Washington State's favor, which yep. I know is a big uh, thing in handicapping college basketball. Uh, also, I was just looking at it because when you f take a look at Washington State's record, you see three mid-major losses which looks pretty tough just off the bat but South Dakota State has been a fantastic program for a long time in yep. the um what are they the Summit League yeah yep. 13 and 4 right now and then New Mexico State is always a fantastic team in the whack and incredibly they, well coached yeah one of the best team they, they're year in and year out you expect New Mexico State as a 12 seed to upset a five seed or a 13 yep. seed. Yep. Um, so th I think those losses aren't as bad. And then your only other one that is real bad is Eastern Washington. Gave up That's a, a bad loss. Lead, gave up a big lead in that game and it's in state. Yep. Versus them. And I, I think a lot of those times the uh, smaller school gets more up for those games. So I agree with you. I think this yeah. is a pretty good play. 
Yeah, I agree. And I think it's one of those lines that seems a little stinky because it feels high, right? Um, yeah, I was thinking maybe too, the more you look at it, it, it seems pretty good. Yeah. All right. Washington State minus six and a half. We're starting it off with a bang. Uh, I have not played it yet. I would play the six and a half, but I mean, if you're listening to this now and you're optimistic that you can wait a little bit, I think, I think waiting is, is okay. I don't see this. I think I see this thing coming down to five and a half before it comes up to, to seven and a half, for example. Um, yeah, I do. Um, I mean, I'm not, I mean, I, I yeah, I do. I, I think, I think so. Um, Oklahoma state, Texas tech, Texas tech off of that huge win on the road at Baylor. They got to turn around a couple days later and play an Oklahoma state team that is excellent on defense, incompetent on offense. Um, Texas tech giving eight to Oklahoma state. Oklahoma state just lost to West Virginia the other night. It's a really tough one because I want to be on Oklahoma state. I do because it feels like a really good opportunity to sell a bit high on Texas tech. I mean, it doesn't get any better than winning on the road at the number one team in the country. Like there's just, there's no better winning college basketball than doing that. You want on the road at the best team in America. Um, and like systematically, like stylistically, this should be a, this should be a, yeah, it should be a defensive battle under type game. Um, plus take the dog plus the points. But I mean, I've watched a bunch of Oklahoma state basketball call and they are ridiculously incompetent on offense. And even though they're really good on day, like the idea of them, like, I don't think they get to 55, 60 points against Texas tech. Yeah, Texas tech will eventually break through the defense. Yeah. Like, I mean, it, look, look, this might, I mean, I don't know. Oklahoma state's excellent defensively also. And Texas tech's pretty bad. Texas on tech offense. doesn't have a great offense. I watched them in person. Yeah. That offense is, is nothing special. Yeah, no, they they are when they, when they played Tennessee, they had like that seven minute scoring stretch. I watched yeah. that line. Yeah, it, that, it, it it hurt my eyes. And that was with Terrence Shannon, who has not played over the last couple of weeks and missed the game against Baylor, and he is their leading scorer. So, I would say I lean Oklahoma State. Um, I definitely do lean Oklahoma State, but man, it is a it is a tough. That is a tough, tough spot to feel confident in, in the Cowboys. But I mean, I, I think gun to my head. Like, do I get there? Probably. Um, but I mean, look, we're doing this as kind of a first look, especially on the weeknights. It's, it's tough. I mean, you know, these lines just came out about, you know, what, like a couple hours ago. I haven't really had a chance. We work all day. We didn't really, have, I haven't had a great chance to really handicap it, but my look is absolutely Oklahoma state. Um, I think if it got it to plus nine and a half, I would play it. I think they can keep it within single digits, but eight, eight and a half is kind of like a stay away right now for me. What do you think? Um, yeah, I wonder what the I, let me let me see what the total is, Kyle. Because I know you like to be you like to be a totals guy on occasion. You like the first. I'm seeing 128, which is that feels high, doesn't it? I mean, that's 64, 64. Like I don't know if both teams. If, I've seen Texas Tech play some real slogs. I mean, I, I like I don't play totals. It's just not my style. 51 against Iowa State. So the only thing that I think would lead me towards not wanting to bet that total is Oklahoma State plays fast. Like Texas Tech plays very slow, but Oklahoma State plays fast. They want to get up. And even though they're horrible offensively, they do want to get up and down. Um, and there could be a lot of live ball turnovers in this game, two of the top teams in the country enforcing turnovers. So like maybe it gets a little bit helter skelter, fast paced, but. I Kyle, I think I'm gonna end up on 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 Oklahoma State when all is said and done. But anyway, what were you saying? You got you got any any look at the total here? I'm not I'm not gonna bet the total in this game. All right, but you got a side? 
I, I, I like my, my first thought was the, uh, was Oklahoma state with the yep. eight and a half, um, the incompetent offense against Texas Tech's defense scares me. Yeah. I also really like um, Texas Tech's um, arms. What's that guy's name? Yeah, Adonis Arms. Adonis Arms. He's a, he's a stud, and I, I do think Texas Tech has more talent and more cohesive unit. Yeah. Even if oh, if this if this is a slog for a while, I could see at the end of it, Oklahoma State just kind of like. They're down four, then they're down six, and then the dam kind of breaks at the end when it when it's looking like they're just not going to be able to score against Texas Tech. Yeah, yeah, I agree completely. Um, so stay away at the moment. Uh, definitely a look for both of us on Oklahoma State leaning that way. Um, see if the number changes at all into tomorrow. Seton Hall visits DePaul. Seton Hall laying five and a half at DePaul. The Hall finally healthy off of a monster win at home in overtime against UConn. DePaul on the flip side has been atrocious since entering Big East play, getting destroyed in pretty much every game. They have yet to win in Big East play. I think they're one in four or something like that against the spread. One in three, right? Yeah. Yeah. Something, something like that. Like they, they're, what what are they? Oh, and five in conference. And I think they're one in four against the spread in conference. Um, Might even be oh, and five against the spread in conference, depending on, on one of the number, one of the games on what number you got. But anyway, um, I've seen a lot of DePaul. They have athletes. They want to run. They're fast. They've got long arms. They're athletic. Seton Hall is a very good basketball team. They are deep. They defend at an incredibly high level. But, I mean, DePaul needs a win. You've got a top 25 Seton Hall team that is not explosive offensively coming in, laying five and a half, like – I mean, if you believe in DePaul and believe in what they did in the non-con, which included a win over Rutgers at home, uh, they played Loyola Chicago incredibly tight at home. They went on the road and beat Louisville. Like, if you're a believer in what DePaul is doing under Tony Stubblefield, it's a pretty good spot to take them as a home dog against Seton Hall, right? No, yeah, I, I, I just don't. I don't believe in them. Yeah, they, 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 they pulled the same shit last year. They were undefeated. 13 and 0 heading into conference play and just lost every game and became the same shitty DePaul team we see every year. And it's not like you're facing a weak team in the Big East. Stephen Hall, as you mentioned, is one of the best teams in the Big East. I, I just, I, I think betting DePaul here is trying to catch a fall of knife and maybe you can catch it eventually, but a lot of times you're going to get hurt. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 that's a really good analogy. Um, that's what's where my hesitation is because I, you're right. They are a falling knife. And I mean, at a certain point, like if you keep, you keep backing them, like you feel like eventually, eventually, yeah. eventually, eventually. I'm, I'm going to wait until they settle. If they get a win here. All right. I missed it, but I, I don't need to continue yeah. to, to bet once, once this team shows they can compete in biggies play, then yeah. I think it's a team I can back, but yeah, that makes sense. Um, nothing here. A lean for me on DePaul. Uh, but it's gonna take gonna take a lot for me to to actually get there. <laughs> five five and a half low, like that's. I don't know if it's that low. Like my like based on my power ratings, I might be a little high on DePaul still, and and a little low on Seton Hall because of my Rutgers allegiances. So like that that might it might be a factor. Yeah, that, I mean, I'm also thinking that's a pretty big 
DePaul is a team that beat Rutgers and uh, Seton Hall, a team that all Rutgers fans hate. So I think that may play into this a little bit. Yeah. I, I am, I am Seton Hall minus four and a half. Um, so like, I, I think if this got up to six and a half, seven, that's when I would really start looking at DePaul, which I think it could. I mean, I think the market could be really down on DePaul and high. I think, I think, it, I think it's definitely going to move. I think yeah. if you don't, if you, if you want DePaul, it's because it's, now it's been five in a row and all the, the, the money that wants to come on to uh, DePaul is definitely getting more hesitant. Yeah. Wisconsin minus two and a half at home against Ohio state. Uh, really good game, big 10 battle, two ranked teams, Ohio state beat Wisconsin in Columbus. Uh, I think we were both all over that. Right. I think a few yeah. months ago, um, back in like the, de- right. That was back in the December big 10 swing. Wisconsin's playing exceptional basketball. I don't know how I keep watching this team play. I have no idea how they keep winning games yet. They somehow find a way to do it. And now in a spot at home against Ohio state, like, I feel like, I've been talking to people about this, Colin. I feel like the reckoning is coming for Wisconsin. Like eventually they're going to hit their peak and then it's just going to be a complete slog yes. downhill. And I feel like this is their peak. Like I think they, I think they cover against Ohio state and then shit starts to hit the fan on the road at Northwestern. So I'm, I want to bet them. I haven't gotten there yet. Are you, are you fading them? What do you think? Um, so I really want to fade them. Yeah, me too. I think Wisconsin sucks. Yeah, it, it, you know it, it's like Iowa when they were in uh, football in the beginning of the year when they were real hot and then yeah. eventually they came back down to earth. Yeah, and this is I think this Wisconsin team's fraudulent. Yeah. Um, what I'm hesitant about is I don't think even though two and a half like two and a half is is low. Yeah. I don't think you're getting a lot of value on Ohio State here, especially because it's still fresh in everybody's mind that Ohio State spacked this Wisconsin team. If right. this was the first game, I would be all over Ohio State. But I agree with you. It's it's really tough when you have a team that won by 18. Yeah. Every every idiot is going to be like, oh, this team's way better than Wisconsin. And that you lose line value based on that. Yeah. I'm excited to see. This is one that I really am going to wait tomorrow. I have no play right now. I do lean Wisconsin as a, as a small home favorite. I'm in the Big Ten. Home court advantage tends to matter a lot and obviously a revenge spot. Um, I'm curious to see where the market plays out because like, because I think they could think both ways, right? I mean, people have loved what Wisconsin's doing. They could love Wisconsin in a revenge spot, like Wisconsin, oh, Wisconsin this, Wisconsin that, Johnny Davis, National Player of the Year. Or people could think what you just said, like Ohio State smacked this team last month. Ohio State's still Ohio State. Like, I'm curious to see where the market kind of fluctuates on this one. Yeah, I, I agree, but I think I think because it's you can have sentiment on either side. Yeah, it prevents you. Like I, I really like when all the sentiments one sided. Right, I agree. You can get on the opposite side of that, and then you right. get a little extra value. But right. I don't really see that happening here, which is I'm probably gonna stay away. Yeah, um, I actually think the line's probably gonna end up closing at two and a half. Like that feels pretty pretty sharp to me. Um, Butler Georgetown battle of the two of the bottom dwellers in the big East conference, Georgetown laying one and a half at home against Butler. So I've been really high on Butler all season long. I like their roster. Don't know why it's burned me. I mean, if I had just stopped, if I had not bet a single dime on Butler this year, I'd probably be up another five or six units. Like I, I've just been bleeding cash betting on Butler. Now I still think Butler should be favored at Georgetown. I can't get there yet. 
but man, do I want to, I want to get there on Butler. Like they are, there's, there's just enough talent on that roster, but like at a certain point, I mean, they've been pathetic offensively. Like they looked listless on defense in their last game against Xavier. Like, I think that there's a chance that like the, my, the other side of my brain, like the more logical side of my brain is looking at this game and looking at this matchup and spot, like, like Butler's kind of limping into Georgetown. Georgetown kind of needs to get wins over Big East teams. And like, there are very few chances you're going to be at home against a, a bottom dweller in the conference where it looks like an opportunity to get a win. Like this feels like that kind of spot for Georgetown and like Georgetown has athletes, they've got shot makers and a Butler isn't like, like with it from the, from the jump on the road at Georgetown. Like it feels like the Hoyas can are explosive enough to run them out of the, run them out of the jail, run them out of the building. So, I mean, Georgetown has beaten Syracuse at home this year. I mean, this they're not, they're not, you know, a slap deck. How is, uh, how is Butler's from defending the three? Butler defensively. Um, let me give you the exact data right here. Let me pull it up. Uh, defensively, Butler. They're okay. I mean, they're, so they're, they're ranked 104th in opposing three-point field goal percentage, but they allow the opponent to take a lot of threes, which kind of fits into what Georgetown wants to do. Yeah, that's what I would say. Because I, I think Georgetown, when a team will let them get going, I, I still don't – I still can't believe this team won the Big East last year. Yeah, it was, a, it was, a, it was pretty miraculous. It was the biggest fluke of all time. Uh, I, I think if they – at home – both teams off of about a week break, right? Neither team's played since last Friday. Right. So the rest is about even. But Georgetown also hadn't played in a long time, and they got blown out at home. But they were – which is interesting because they were in that game early in the second half. Like, it was a three-point game with, like, 15 minutes left at Mar- against Marquette. And then the – just opened. The wheels fell off, yeah. The floodgates opened. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I, lean, I lean Georgetown. Yeah. I, I just – I think at home, off of I, – I like – if you lose the first game off the COVID pause, yeah, I like playing them on the second one. And if you win the first one, I like fading them on the second one because I, I – like you have to get a very long COVID pause. you got to get your legs under them. They've now had plenty of time. They've had almost a week since the COVID pause. Yep. And they played a game. I think they should be ready to go. And yeah, Butler Butler's kind of in in free fall. You lose you lose two in a row at home, not very competitively, and now you have to go on the road to Georgetown. This does before a Villanova UConn stretch. Yeah, you're right, Kyle. I uh, I think I agree. I, I look at the spot. I look at the I look at 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 all that stuff and the matchup. Like even though I was higher on Butler coming into the season, like it feels like the the tea leaves are pointing towards Georgetown in this one. I I agree, and like from a tempo perspective, like stylistically, they're complete polar opposites. Butler wants to slow it down. Georgia want, Georgetown wants to run. And like, I feel like Georgetown will be able to assert their tempo at home. I feel like the home team usually is better at asserting their tempo, unless it's like some sort of Virginia voodoo shit where they're able to just kind of slow it down no matter what. Um, I agree. I agree on that. Uh, I haven't played it yet. I, I'm optimistic. I think if you like Georgetown, I think there's a chance it comes down a little more and open it to it's already down to one and a half. Um, and if it comes down to one, I think that might be might be a go. Yeah, I mean, you could also get some help from people like yourself that are just betting based off of uh, their sure numbers. numbers. Spots. Yeah, well, I don't bet on. I don't, yeah, no, no, yeah. no, not, not, I'm not not using. Yeah, I know you're... the number, but like right. a lot of people will have numbers, and 
you'll see some value on teams just because their numbers are bad, even though they've changed a lot. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, let's see, where else are we going? Indiana, Iowa, another big 10 matchup, really good big 10 matchup, Indiana getting three on the road at Iowa. Um, feels like a really good spot for the Hawkeyes. Indiana off of back-to-back wins, beat Ohio State and Minnesota at home. Now they got to go on the road to Iowa, which is always fantastic at home. Um, Iowa, meanwhile, off of a a pretty disappointing loss at home to Wisconsin. Uh, I think a lot of people liked Iowa. A lot of smart people liked Iowa. I know we both liked Iowa. Um, In that game at Wisconsin, they just couldn't couldn't seal the deal. I mean, they just kind of no-showed because I don't think their defense travels as well. They defend at a higher level at home. I think they'll be able to, to make Indiana's guards uncomfortable and Indiana's guards have shown a propensity to turn the ball over at times, especially Xavier Johnson down the stretch in road games. I mean, Indiana's played two road games this season in the big 10. They've lost them both. They lost to Wisconsin. They lost to Penn state. I like Iowa in this spot. I'm okay to lay the three. I, I think that Iowa's ability to stretch the floor and make shots on the perimeter will, will, will be a difference maker in this game. And I, I continue not to believe in the Hoosiers. So that's where I'm at. What do you think? Um, what, what do you think sentiment-wise is going into this game? Uh, what do you mean, like motivation perspective? No, just, pub, just public sentiment because uh, uh, I, 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 I'm, I, what I'm just trying to get a gauge on is, is the line low because it's sharp in favor of Indiana, like not wanting well, to play I, a lot, or is it line low in a overreaction – to people seeing Indiana playing well and Iowa getting smacked. Yeah, I think that's it. I don't think the line is low. Um, I think it's. A, I think that's pretty much what the line should be. I mean, Indiana's – I mean, these two teams have been very similar from a ranking perspective this year, and, and I think the three is just the standard home court advantage. Um, but, like, I think home Iowa and road Indiana are completely, like, different different levels. So I think I think you're going to see – I think a lot of people think the three and a half might be big, like, in that – that Indiana is shouldn't be a dog. I mean, people love Indiana. People love to bet Indiana. They see any so kind that, of that's what yeah. that's what that's what I'm trying to yeah. feel because like when Iowa was on the road at Wisconsin and they were what were the, what was that what was that spread like? three. Three. three three and it seemed low right in Iowa's favor it seemed like it was too low to the general public yeah and that's what I'm I'm trying to get a gauge on just does average person look at this and say that's too low on uh for iowa or are they looking at this like wrong team favor well what do you think like what would your what would your opinion be on that just go just blindly from what you know this season so far blindly i think it's i think it's too low okay i thought i thought i thought this would open at like five okay okay I think it's pretty spot on. My number is exactly Iowa by three. Which is that that's that's why I'm asking because if it, if if when I'm wrong, I try to get the gauge on what's yeah. what's going on in the public. And so if most people are thinking like me that it should be bigger, then I'm not then I don't want to be on Iowa. But if most people are thinking wrong team favor, then I want to be on Iowa. Right. I understand. I understand. Um, I guess you'll have to wait and see how the, how the market kind of adjusts this tomorrow and, and where the public falls. Um, right now, it sounds like a stay away. 
I'll, I'll give it, I'll give it out though. I'm, I would be on Iowa at minus three. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to, I'll give it out as a play Iowa minus three Oregon, UCLA really good game in the PAC 12. Oregon is completely underachieved so far this season. UCLA, obviously a, a top 10 team in the country. Um, Bruins laying 10 and a half. They are one of the best teams in America, offensively and defensively. They make shots. They're athletic. They're long on the wings. They've got good big men. Nick Cronin, obviously a very good coach. We're both Nick Cronin fans. Uh, what do you think? Do you think the spread feels high, Colin? Or, or... yeah, I think I think it, I think it feels like a lot. Okay. I, I I don't think Oregon's been playing very well, but I think UCLA, especially a Mick Cronin type t- coach team, isn't really the type of team that just blows teams out. You know, it's a defensive rebounding approach and they've got some shooters, they've got some, some scores, but 10 and a half is, I I feel like it's almost like an overreaction on Oregon's not great. And I agree they're not great, but UCLA just isn't the type of team that really blows somebody out and to, to lay double digits against a competent Oregon team with a good head coach, it, it feels a lot. Are you getting there on a play or nah? Uh, we'll see. I'm going to make my yeah. play calls at the end. All right. Sounds good. Um, I lean Oregon as well. I think there's a lot of talent on this Oregon team, and I think they played so poorly this season that the market has kind of overreacted and, and downgraded them. And I don't think I've downgraded them nearly as much as the rest of the market has. But, I mean, it's just that's a fading UCLA at Pauly is, is in a game that they'll be motivated for, even though Oregon isn't having a very good season, like it's still Oregon, still Dane Altman, still brand name. Um, I, I, I'm not, I'm not eager to, to jump on the ducks, even though that is definitely where my lean is and my number's close to eight, eight and a half. So definitely looking at it. Uh, another really big game, probably maybe the best game of the night, Colin, a, a sleeper game, Gonzaga BYU. Gonzaga laying 13 and a half at home against BYU. And I think BYU is excellent. And this feels like a really big number. And it feels like people might still be thinking about Gonzaga like last year's Gonzaga. And I just don't think they are. Um, I want to bet BYU. My number is like way closer to nine, nine and a half. Uh, So like, I mean, this just feels like a big number. BYU rebounds. They've got good shot makers. We've seen Mark Pope coach really well against Gonzaga in the past. Um, now, I mean, look, Gonzaga's great, but I mean, like they, they, they don't really guard. I mean, Alabama put up a hundred on them basically. And like, we clearly don't think that Alabama clearly isn't that good. Right. Duke, Duke beat them in what everybody thought was like a team between a game between two of the best teams in America. Like Duke really hasn't proven to be that good. They lost to Ohio state. They lost at home to Miami. So I kind of like BYU here. I think they've got enough veteran experience. They've played – they're not going to be intimidated playing against Gonzaga. I mean, this is a team that that has played Oregon. Like, they – I mean, who else has BYU played this year? I mean, they beat the shit out of Oregon on a neutral. They've played Gonzaga every year. They beat San Diego State on the road. Um, they beat Utah State. Like, they, they played Vandy on a neutral. They just beat St. Mary's. Like, they, they're not they're not afraid. Mark Pope's guys aren't going to be intimidated. Like, like, why the hell can't BYU hang in this game? And I feel like, I feel like the public is going to push this up because the public loves Gonzaga. I, mean, I look at their rosters like Gonzaga is not nearly as good as they were last year. They just don't have the same level of talent. Um, 
I like BYU. I think that they can hang in this game. So yeah, yeah I mean, I see I see a lot what you're saying, uh, because I agree. I don't think Gonzaga is is last year's Gonzaga team. Like it, it's just not nearly as good. Um I don't want to bet on the road team in this series, though. Yeah. And even though 13 and a half feels pretty massive for a good BYU team and Gonzaga is not nearly as good as they were last year. This is still going into Spokane, Washington, with Mark Few as the head coach and a packed kennel. It's going to be very tough, and they're obviously going to be motivated for this game. It's BYU. It is, this and St. Mary's are the biggest games at home that they get in the um, in conference play. So just I, – I see why you like them. But they, BYU also lost – by 12 at Creighton. And I don't think Creighton's all that good, but I think Gonzaga's probably better than Creighton, which, and Gonzaga's a tougher place to play than, than Creighton is. So I, I, I'm hesitant. I, I see, I see the lean, but I think it, 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 it's either going to be really close or it's going to be a, a blowout. And I don't want to, I don't want to risk it. Two other Pac-12 games tomorrow night, Oregon State, USC, Colorado, Arizona, um, both 15-point spreads. I have nothing on either side. Uh, I don't like laying that kind of number with USC. Um, I think Arizona is completely capable of blowing out Colorado, but that is just a big number to lay in a conference game. So I've got nothing in either of those. Uh, anything from you in those games, Kyle? Are you ready to recap? Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, I do want to – I kind of want to see how Colorado is able to perform – at Arizona, though, I think that's a that's an interesting game for both teams. Yeah, I um, I agree. I think Arizona is freakishly good. I and mean, there are a couple futures that I have out there on Arizona and Auburn that I'm just like licking my lips on at the at the moment because I think those are two of the top five teams in America, um, at least from a talent standpoint. So, gonna have um, to make sure you sell them. Uh, sell them, end up like, like, like I did last year when I had I had so many great futures, yeah, great yeah. numbers, and and. And after the first weekend, the only one remaining was freaking UCLA, which barely well, that's got what, That's the problem with college basketball futures. That's why you got to sell them once the tournament's announced. Yeah, we'll, we'll have to talk about that a little more uh, when, it, when it comes time. All right, let's quickly recap. Let's run through. Uh, I'll start with me. I like Washington State minus six and a half. That's going to be a play for me tomorrow. I'll take Washington State minus six and a half. Um, I'm going to take Oklahoma state plus eight and a half because I, the more I think about it, the more I like the spot, the more I think the matchup is okay. And I, I think, I think people might be a little high on, like, I'm not laying that number with Texas tech. I just, I'm, the defense first. I'm, I'm not going to do that. Um, other leans, I lean Wisconsin at home. I lean Georgetown at home. I, I, even though I, I, I've been high on Butler, like I think the spot really does line up well for Georgetown. And I think I'll, I'll be there on the Hoyas. Um, also lean Oregon plus 10 and a half. And then the other plays Iowa minus three and BYU plus 13 and a half. So my, and another lean on DePaul plus five and a half. So obviously uh, I got a lot of leans, but the four plays right now, BYU plus 13 and a half, Iowa minus three, Washington state minus six and a half, and then Oklahoma state plus eight and a half. So those are my four. Kyle. Hey, I'm going to be joining you with Washington state minus six and a half. Okay. Um, I'm also going to take Georgetown minus one and a half. I just think that uh, post-COVID pause break, a kind of sliding Butler and uh, just a desperation desperation game for Georgetown. I think they're able to get it done. I also like 
that Butler isn't a great three-point shooting or defending team. Yeah. Because that's all Georgetown's going to want to do, and it's only they score. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna hold out on Oklahoma State if that touches nine and a half, ten. I'll probably join you, but uh, yeah. Uh, I'm hesitant. I think Texas Tech's better coach team, better team, and uh, in a slog fest, I do like the dog, but it's it's still it's scary. It's tough. Yeah. Um, yeah. Gonna stay away from the Ohio State Wisconsin game. I you you you've semi convinced me on why Wisconsin. This is like their uh, their peak. Yeah. Their uh, their magnum opus, yep. opus yep. Uh, of the season. I I want to I'm I'm gonna I'm trying I'm gonna try and get a gauge on the idiots uh, tomorrow. Yeah. And if the idiots are are all over Wisconsin, I'm gonna I'm gonna stay away. But if the idiots are on Ohio State, I'll probably end up on Wisconsin. I could see myself betting Ohio State too, Colin. If the idiots are on Wisconsin. Yeah. Like I'll I could see you, my. I'll give you I'll give you an idiot report. Yeah, I can't wait to hear the, what the idiots have to say on this one. Um, and then what else do we've got? I'm going to stay away on Indiana, Iowa. I want to, I want to get a gauge on that. Yep. on the market on that game before I play it. And then I will take uh, Oregon plus 10 and a half. I just think that's, that's a lot of points to lay. All right. Washington state minus six and a half Georgetown minus one and a half Oregon plus 10 and a half for you, Colin Washington state minus six and a half Oklahoma state plus eight and a half Iowa minus three and BYU plus 13 and a half for me. First consensus play of the college hoops season wazoo Washington state laying six and a half. That's a real stinky, stinky consensus play, but I, I think we're on the right side there. All right, Kyle, I'll talk to you um, Friday night, Saturday morning as we break down a, a massive Saturday card and, Hopefully we we get going on college basketball picks and have a have a really successful January, February, and March. Right? Let's do it. All right, Kyle. Thanks for listening to the Hook and Ladder podcast, everybody. Stay tuned for more college basketball picks. And uh, Mr. O'Donnell, peace out. See ya.